Amen. Can we just uh, just let's lift up a shout of praise and clap for that? That was amazing. I was I was truly just uh, feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jason and worship team, for leading us in worship. Uh, that was powerful. Um, I almost want to say, "All right, I'm done. You guys keep going. You know, come back up, worship team." Um, I do want to share, though, some things that uh, God has put in my heart uh, throughout the last couple of weeks uh, to bring things up to speed and catch you up with what's been happening. Uh, We started a series here uh, at the mission called Radical Love. And basically what we first looked at when we started this series was who we are corporately as a church. What's our identity? What's our definition? And we said that the mission is a growing community, excuse me, living out God's radical love. That was the first thing we did when we started this series. Then uh, Mark came and shared and he said that the mission of the church as uh, the mission, (laughs) pardon the pun, is to make God's radical love contagious. He said something that stuck to me. He said that uh, when, uh, when people share radical love, that radical love is irresistible, meaning people just can't help and want to join in. That's what it means for it to be contagious. And then uh, Pastor Jason was telling us that how are we going to do this, making uh, the radical love contagious? How do we carry out our mission? He said that we'll do our, our basically kind of our motto here, which is connect grow and serve. And last week he talked a little bit about connecting, uh, what it means to connect with people, especially with people that are different, that otherwise outside of the body of Christ we might not want to connect with, uh, especially when connections might seem uncomfortable. Um, today we'll be talking about the second one, grow. And by grow, I mean specifically to grow together in the faith. In fact, I kind of, to myself at least, titled this sermon, Growing Together in the Faith. And I I really wanted to make sure that when I said growing together, I didn't say in faith. I wanted to say growing together in the faith because I wanted to make sure that it was distinctive. I wanted to make sure that it stood out, that it said the faith as in the faith that proclaims that Jesus Christ is Lord over all. The faith that declares that Jesus Christ saves me from who I am because I'm not sufficient enough. Um, that's, that, that's what I mean by distinctive. In fact, what we'll see today in the scripture is that there was, there was a couple of elements to the communion or the fellowship of believers that made them distinct. It gave them a unique identity. They stood out. And in a lot of cases, they stood out in a very controversial way. So our scripture, our main scripture for today is Acts 2.42. I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture. It's, uh, I'll be reading from the ESV. Acts 2.42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And I want you to, right now if you can, if you're taking notes, you can underline a couple of things. It says, to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. That's the key part there. It doesn't say it, they devoted themselves to fellowship. The world experiences fellowship every day. We experience fellowship in our houses. We have family members. We have best friends. We have uh, buddies at school, at, at the university, at the workplace. There's all kinds of fellowship. This says the fellowship. And when I was reading through some of the commentaries that theologians that have studied this throughout years, um, what, what they were saying is that the there is very important. It is the fellowship. 
we'll come back to that to talk about it. The first, I guess, bullet point that we will look at and that you can say is the central theme is that the church in Acts was devoted to growing together in the faith. Growing together in the faith. Again, I want to make sure that it says the faith. And this is something that when I think about growing together, I think about a lot of people that I've talked about uh, about church and about community outside of church. And what they say is, I don't need church to get closer to God. This, I mean, not everyone says that, but I've heard a lot of people say, I don't need church to get closer to God. In fact, I've heard people that say, I'm Christian, I believe in Jesus Christ, He saved me, but I don't need to go to a church. The church has hurt me. I don't need to go there. I don't need a body of believers to grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ. And whenever I would encounter these arguments, something felt wrong. And I, sometimes I couldn't articulate it, but I told them, no, you're wrong. You're missing out on something. You're missing out. In fact, you're not able to fully grow in your faith if you're missing out on the fellowship. If you're missing out on being part of the body of Christ, then you're missing out a very important aspect of your growth in faith with Jesus Christ, in your walk and in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes, we have a direct and personal relationship with Jesus Christ because Jesus died for our sins and opened up a relationship where now we're adopted, adopted sons and daughters. Now we get to call Him Father. God loved us so much that He loved us the way He loved Jesus. That's insane. We're His adoptive brother. We're adopted sons and daughters in the family of God. And that's amazing and powerful. But we are missing elements of our growth in the faith if we don't get to connect into the body. And I didn't know how to understand this. This is, I guess you could say it was an, a groan of the Spirit that kept telling me that when I was talking with people. It's like, no, you're missing something. And they're like, well, tell me, what are you missing? And I didn't know exactly how to articulate it. And I had to go to the Word and kind of dig it out. Um, I want to make sure that we first notice, however, that it says that they were devoted. And when I think about devotion, that means not just a commitment. This means this is your, this is your art. This is your craft. This is what you do. I think about one of my favorite basses. I play bass, uh, electric bass. And uh, one of my favorite basses, his name is John Myung. Uh, he went to uh, Berkeley. And uh, he actually is the basis for a band called Dream Theater, which has been going on for almost 30 years now. Um, and Dream Theater is one of my favorite bands because, first of all, these guys are virtuosos. Everyone in this band is really good. And John Myung, the bassist, he's just exceptional. And I used to be obsessed with this guy. And I realized that he was good. He was given a gift of being able to be musical, have a musical ear, being able to play bass. But also, he was devoted to his craft. Six hours a day. Six hours a day, sit down, put the metronome on and do one tedious exercise after the other. I can tell you, I play bass. That is boring. Six hours of doing the same exercises over and over again. But he was devoted because he was passionate about that. So when I hear devoted, that's, that's what I think. I mean, these people were devoted in that sense. They were so passionate that they wanted to grow together in the faith. Again, why would you want to do that? There's something special that you'll miss out if you're not connected in that way to the body of Christ. The church in Acts 
was devoted to the gospel received from the apostles. We get that from that verse in Acts 2.42 where it says that they were uh, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So when I read this, uh, I think about all the, uh, all the ways that I started learning the gospel and what it meant for me to learn the gospel because I learned it the hard way. And some of you have heard me talk about this, but I used to think growing up that you're supposed to be religious to earn God's favor. And you're supposed to do a lot of little rituals, and not just rituals, but you're supposed to be really good, be a good person in general in terms of your behavior. And what I realized is that I would fall short. And it was the gospel when I finally understood how God worked out my being able to be in communion with him. When I understood that, the gospel, it freed me. It saved me. It restored me. It made me a new creation. It's still making me a new creation. Still perfecting me, not by my own merits, but by his merits. The gospel is so important. And there's three reasons I can think of that we need to know the gospel. The first reason we need to know the gospel is we need it for ourselves to be saved from our insufficiency. That's the first reason. That's gospel 101. We need Jesus Christ because we're not good enough. Because we can't meet God's perfect standards. There's just no way for us to meet God's perfect standards. Um, he's a righteous God. He's a perfect God. Sin is not, uh, he's not compatible with him. And if we're good, but have little kinks in the way, we're not good enough. So the gospel is what saves us, the message of the gospel rather, that we repent and we believe in Jesus Christ as Redeemer, Savior, and as the person who crafts us into his handiwork, into something new. That's what the gospel says. So first and foremost, we need the gospel for ourselves. We also need it though, we need to know the gospel so that we can continue to grow in faith. We need to study it deeply. Even past the day I first believed, I didn't fully grasp what was happening in me. I didn't fully understand the intricacies of God's redeeming work in my life. So I need to spend time in the Word and in prayer with others and talking with people in the body of Christ so that I can learn what the Gospel is actually saying. It's so simple, yet so deep. It's powerful how it works that way. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that anyone who believes may have life. Paraphrased a little bit. But that, that's the simplicity of the gospel. And then you read the letters of Paul. In the New Testament, you find letters. And some of the letters of Paul, they just really slowly start unpacking and expanding all the beauty and the glory of God that's enclosed in that statement. In believing in God and receiving His salvation, His mercy, His love. In being loved by God in spite of our own uh, faults. I mean, so simple, but yet you can impact it so much and find so much truth. And so to grow in our faith, we need to do that. We start with the simple statement and then we start unpacking and learning more and more about the little intricacies. And, and, and the result of that, we just fall more in love with God and we just glorify God all the more because we realize yet more and more every day, at least for me, how insufficient I am and how much He's changing me and how much He knows and, and, and deals with my little kinks and just starts flattening them out and, and making me new and making me a, a, a better person. And I don't mean a better person in the secular way. I mean a better person, the person that God called me to be. That's, that, that's why I need, the second reason why I need the gospel. So first, we need it for ourselves to be saved, but second, also to grow in the faith, to become more mature believers. 
And the third reason you need to know the gospel, you need to preach it. You need to preach it, bro. You need to go and tell people. Why? Because we care about others. We want people to know Christ. We want people to know why, we, why, why we're Christians. Uh, there's a preacher, I think it was John Piper, who once said this analogy that just drove me nuts of how simple he put it. But it's like you see people in the desert walking, right? And they're, they're just like, they're crawling. And they're really thirsty, right? And you walk by, you're, you're in a bus with an AC, and you've got a big cooler of water, and it's nice and fresh. And you get out of your bus, and you're like, hey, look, I have water, you need this. I have water, you need this. And they just, they just go, no thanks, I'm good. And keep crawling through the desert. That's the way that I think about us trying to tell people that they need Jesus Christ. That's how we uh, want to share it with them because we see someone crawling through the desert of sin and death and, uh, and, and insufficiency and we want to share the water of life. We want them to partake in that because we have it. We're in the AC and we have the cooler, we have the water that is everlasting. We want to share it with those people. Sometimes they don't want it. That's what we want to do. We want to share the gospel in that way. What we don't want to do is take the cooler and say, Open your mouth! Come on, open uh, open your mouth! That's what we don't want to do, right? So, uh, when I read that from John Piper, it just blew my mind. There's a big difference between saying, Oh my gosh, you're missing on this. You're missing on the water of life. You're missing on being saved, on being loved, on being in communion with God the Father Himself. And the other opposite end of that, trying to shove it down their throats. We don't want to do that. We want to share it because we know how good it is. It tastes so good. It's, it's the, the one truth that we hold to because we know it's greater than life itself, like the song said. That's just powerful. So that's the three reasons we want to know the gospel. We want to be able to uh, say, uh, preach it to ourselves to be saved. We want to grow in the faith. And we want it so that we can preach it to others so that they may be saved. That's just, again, powerful truth behind it. What I did um, at some point was I memorized a, a, a short scripture that kind of encompasses the gospel and I could share it with other people. It's Galatians 2, 19 through 21. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. That's a nice little summary of the gospel, and I memorize it because it's kind of those bullet points that I can hit when I'm sharing with people. The word of God is powerful. I, you know, most of what I do when I stand up here is just read, read the Word of God because it, it's sufficient. I don't need to add anything to it. So when you take a passage of Scripture like that, that's all encompassing of the Gospel, it, it, it's the Apostles' teaching. In fact, there's one very important one, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11. And this is basically Paul's, uh, a, a confession by Paul of the faith. And theologians tend to say that this is basically uh, an oral confession that was going around through the church, and this is what they would say and know. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1-11, it says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. 
For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Kephas, uh, Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, As to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached And so you believed. So this is one of those gospel confessions that we find uh, Paul mentioning because again, not just it wasn't just his, but it was kind of a summary of the gospel that was going around through the the church. Uh, This next passage I'm not going to read fully, but it's Galatians one. Uh, Chapter 1, verses 6 through 12. The importance of knowing the gospel, and what I'm trying to reiterate with this passage, is that we can't distort the gospel. The gospel has to be clear-cut into what it was presented. And in these verses, I'm just going to select a part to read, but it says, uh, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. That sounds serious. We don't want to change the gospel. The gospel is the display of God's glory that is personified in the cross, on the cross. And we don't want to change it. We don't want to add to it and make it religious. We want to make it a relationship. We want to explain to people that we are being saved by the work that he did, not by any self-merits that I can find in myself. The next bullet point is the church in Acts was devoted to a unique necessary and radical fellowship. When I first uh, started reading about the fellowship that we have in the body of believers, uh, again, talking with people, what I kept telling myself was, there's got to be something that supports this fact that fellowship is essential to my growth in the faith. We're starting grow groups next week. It is essential that we join a grow group because growing in community is just, again, an aspect that we can't miss as part of our growth in the faith. It's just too important. And here's what I found. The, the fellowship that we enjoy, first of all, is unique, well, because we're Christians, yes, but also it's necessary Because we can't grow into mature believers. The passage that I have for you is Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about every wind of doctrine by human cunning, but uh, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped." when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I'm going to end with this little illustration. Bring this out here. But here's essentially what I found 
how this works. See, we need to be empowered by the Spirit to unity. And by the way, when we're thinking fellowship of... Now this is going nuts on me. Alright, Jason, you got it for me. When we're thinking fellowship in these passages, we're looking at the Greek word koinonia. And this is an intimate unity. So this isn't a unity that we can accomplish by our own merits. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to it. It's beyond what we can do. So we need the Holy Spirit. So we're empowered to unity. And unity, as Ephesians says there, leads to maturity. Now what is maturity? It's two things. Basically, we're firm in the faith. Firm faith. And it means that we are experiencing true love. Firm faith and true love. That's why unity, that koinonia, that fellowship is important for our growth. Uh, The Bible says, in fact, Jesus, when he's praying for us, he says that he prays to the Father that they be one as I and the Father are one. That's mind-blowing. I heard this at a conference one time with Jason and with Mark that Jesus was praying to the Father in John 17 saying that I that the the body of believers may be united in a way that they are one such as I and the Father are one that's a unity that's beyond anything that we can comprehend and it needs to be empowered by the Holy Spirit it's the only way we can get that unity and that unity leads to maturity firm faith and love that breaks barriers racial barriers uh, hateful barriers all kinds of barriers the only way we can experience that true love that goes beyond that makes us united at the same way that the Father and the Son are united is empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of love that we have to have for each other. That's mind-blowing. And we see it in Acts 2.42 and beyond. They just shared everything with each other. They sold their possessions. That's radical love. Radical love. That we may be united as Jesus and the Father are united. I'll end by bringing up one of uh, one of our faithful leaders. Uh, she leads our grow groups. And this is Teresa Rivera. So let's give a hand for Teresa Rivera. We're going to ask her a couple of quick questions. You can sit wherever you want. (laughs) Just don't crawl over there like I did. That would be weird. Hi, everybody. (laughs) This is Teresa. Do we have a mic there? Dex. Mic number one. Hello. Hey. There you are. Hi, Teresa. Hi. Hey, Ricardo. <laughs> Good job, man. Wow. <laughs> yes. Um so I've known Teresa for a super long time. Tell us about yourself, Teresa. Um, for those who don't know you. I'm Teresa. I met Jason back in two thousand four. Yep. 
when me and my husband started going to a small church called Crossroads, it was on 30th and Waterman, and Jason was our worship leader at the church. So um, I, me and my husband dove in there. Mm-hmm. Teresa was privy to a lot of what the equivalent of uh, worship leader naked baby photos. Yeah. <laughs> Back at that church, it was it was very. I, I actually I didn't have one really in my wedding doing, photos. So. <laughs> Jason actually performed at my wedding for yeah, me too. Right. So I got so, that. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So you're taking over grow groups this season, and Kim Robbins has been training you for a while now, yeah, and kind of weird. Super excited. It seems like it's going well. We got more grow groups now than we ever have. Um, really cool. Um, and I think Ricardo has, has a question for you. Yes. Okay. So the first question I wanted to ask is, um, how have you witnessed genuine relationship, genuine unity in grow groups? Um, from my experience with grow groups and different grow groups that I've been in my whole entire Christian life, um, it's been pretty amazing to see people come together from different areas of life and minister to each other and to help each other out in different areas where they may be um, either not know how to deal with, with this, in this life. We're growing in life together. And so being in the grow groups outside of our every Sunday church, it's a way that we connect and grow together in this life. Yeah, definitely. Let me let me ask you this. For those that don't know, what is a grow group and what do you do in a grow group? Okay, a grow group is a small group of believers from our church and it could be friends and family coming to your grow group. It doesn't matter. They don't have to be in our church and be from other churches as well. But we are a group of believers that come together and we read God's word. Uh, we um, discuss it with each other. If there's issues that we need to discuss that you're not understanding, we will attack it together and we'll all leave understanding together. So, um, and it's not only that we um, get into scripture, but as a support, we're basically like a support for each other, you know, because uh, there are so many outside the world that don't understand um, what we're, what we believe. And so for us to come together and just to be strengthened with each other so that we can go on and continue in this world, um, that's what small groups are. So we come together, it's a small time, like two hours a, uh, a week, uh, during the week, and um, just be with each other and learn. And we eat. And we eat. Yeah. Um, So we have dinner together, too. I go for the brownies. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Another question I had uh, in the the notes that you guys are taking, for example, the third bullet point is that prayer is one of the things that we devote ourselves. So how have you witnessed prayer uh, being uh, not just influential but impacting the lives of others in grow groups? Prayer is awesome. Um, we, as a group, uh, we will find out where prayer is needed. And we will stop everything we're doing right there and to pray for the situation, whatever it is. you know. And we help to keep each other accountable for whatever the prayer may be or just to check on each other throughout the week. What's going on? How are you doing? Um, you know, We've been praying for you for this just to give each other encouragement. So prayer is a strong suit for grow groups you can only get so much when you come to church on sunday so small groups uh, adds to that definitely and so this this grow group season that's starting next week we i thought it was coming this week the 25th this week the 25th don't ask me i I don't i don't know anything (laughs) i just i just work here this week sorry um (laughs) 
um, so we have we have one starting um, a couple on Tuesday nights. We have right? a Monday night group that M- we're just night. adding. We're okay. just adding. Um, and then we'll have two on Tuesday. Okay. And then we have one on Friday. And so Friday one is pretty full right now. Okay. So Fr- Friday is pretty full. There's there's a few on Tuesday, and then there's a brand new one that Ricardo's leading on Monday, Monday. nights. Mm-hmm. So at Teresa's place. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Well, thank you, Teresa. We're thank so you. thankful to have you a part of the team here. And, man, you're just such an amazing friend. Thank, I've watched you grow over the years, and it's been amazing as you've watched me grow as well. <laughs> so, yeah, well, no kidding. <laughs> so, all right. Thank you, Teresa. You're welcome. Yeah. So... Um, Thank you, Teresa, for sharing that. I hope that the encouragement that we all take from this is that um, our relationship with Christ is personal at at the God to each believer um, level, but it's also something that needs to grow in community. Uh, Even God himself, he's a, a fellowship God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are three persons in one God. It's just one God, but there's that unity of fellowship, even within the divinity of God. And it's the same for us. We're missing on something. If we don't connect with others, if we don't join, then we can't uh, uh, grow in certain areas to maturity, as we saw. We want to be united as one, uh, all of the believers together, so that we can be mature to love and uh, be mature to steadfastness, to be firm in our faith. It's the only way. Um, I want to make sure that I mention uh, a last bullet point that I left out, and that is that the, uh, the church in Acts was devoted to the breaking of bread. That's the, I want to say, the tradition that kind of binds all of those four elements together when a fellowship of believers gets together. The breaking of bread, specifically celebrating, commemorating the breaking of the body and the, and the blood that was uh, poured by Jesus Christ for our sins. That's the maximum representation of that fellowship because that's what makes us distinctive. We get together as a body of believers. We proclaim Jesus Christ. We have true unity, that unity that is just beyond anything else that we could do without the Holy Spirit. And we uh, praise God and we preach the gospel and we do so by breaking the bread of communion. And in our uh, anniversary weekend, we will be sharing communion together as a church. So I want to invite you guys to be here uh, February 6th or 7th? 7th. February 7th. That's going to be our big anniversary uh, celebration and we'll have communion. So that's the, again, that one tradition that really makes it a unique, distinctive fellowship. Uh, we'll go ahead and close with a word of prayer as the band comes up and, uh, and then we'll continue worshiping with them. Uh, I'll also pray for the offering as the ushers uh, come forth to pick up our tithes and offerings. Heavenly Father, um, we just ask that you empower us to a unity that is beyond anything that we could do in our natural strength, a unity that is like the Father and the Son, a unity that preaches to the world in a way that nothing else can. We don't need to think as much about uh, what programs we need or how do we, do we become a more hip church or a less hip church? Do we sing new songs or old songs? No, what we need to do is love ourselves in a unity that is like the Father and the Son. Empower us to that beyond our weaknesses, Lord, to do that so that we may preach a gospel that's clear, crisp, 
and redeeming to the world in need. We pray for the offering and the tithes, Lord. May they be multiplied so that we can impact the city around us, Lord. That's what we want to do. So bless the offering and the tithe. Multiply it so that we can impact the city and reach out to those in need around us so that they may join our body of believers, join our koinonia, our fellowship. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.